Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Age of Radio. You are listening to Texas History Lessons, a slow walk through Texas history made in Texas by a Texan for everyone everywhere. Welcome to Texas History Lessons. I'm Michael. And in this episode, we're going to begin a little series on a project that I did a few years ago. Both the Chamber of Commerce and the City of St. Joe were seeking some grants for some history-related projects. And they asked me if I could come up with some work for them to present. And so... What resulted was two different but similar papers that I wrote for them to use. And with this, we're going to look at what I titled Crossroads, the California Trail, the Chisholm Trail, and St. Joe in the settlement of Northwest Texas. St. Joe, Texas, an eastern Montague County town, is located at the headwaters of the Trinity River's Elm Fork a circumstance that led to the name Head of Elm for the settlement that began there in the mid-1850s. Throughout the town's history, residents have taken pride in promoting it as a, quote, gateway to the west and as a, quote, trail town where the California Trail crosses the Chisholm Trail. The springs in the area feeding into Elm Fork and its tributaries were a major factor in both trails coming through this area and would have made it a popular stop for wildlife and Native Americans before settlement. Captain Randolph B. Marcy marked the California Trail in 1849, guided by the esteemed Delaware interpreter and scout Black Beaver much of the way, to establish a route of travel through North Texas to El Paso and Santa Fe. Travelers, traders, military expeditions, railroad surveyors, and gold seekers would use this trail. It was also known as the Marcy Trail, the El Paso Road, and the Preston and Belknap Road. Head of Elm was a wonderful campsite along the trail, and settlers and cattlemen began to take advantage of the area's many natural advantages by 1855. Head of Elm had a post office by 1860, 
But the following years of the Civil War were difficult times for the frontier settlements of Texas as Native Americans pushed the line of settlement back as far as 100 miles in some places. The end of the war and the passing of the Chisholm Trail through Monte County were probably more significant to the development of St. Joe than the California Trail had been to Head of Elm. The Chisholm Trail attracted businessmen like town founders Irby H. Boggess and Joe Howell who hoped to capitalize on the passing cattlemen and the developing rural economy. Within a few years after Boggess and Howell created the town, St. Joe reached a population of 1,000, a mark it has stayed near for most of its existence. Now this episode and the following few is an effort to expand on this subject matter, placing the town and the trails in context with the times in which they came into being and explore the significance they had for each other. A variety of sources have been used from first-hand accounts, memoirs, deed records, government documents, maps from the period, local histories, and general histories. The history of the settlement of the Northwest Texas frontier and the establishment of towns like St. Joe are usually overlooked by historians or overshadowed by other areas. So hopefully this episode and the next few will provide a starting point for those interested in placing St. Joe and Monte County and places like them into their understanding of the historical narrative. In the heart of the 19th century, two migratory trails converged at the headwaters of the Trinity River's Elm Fork. The California Trail served as the path for fortune seekers heading to the west coast of North America in the decade preceding the Civil War. Travelers along the California Trail constituted one of the great migrations of people in history. The Chisholm Trail existed as a conduit for moving hundreds of thousands of Texas cattle to Kansas railway stations and northern ranges in the years after the war. Northward up the Chisholm Trail, cowboys carried out one of the greatest migrations of livestock ever attempted. While both served basic practical and economic purposes, it is equally true that they filled the American identity with a sense of vigor and fueled American myth with tales of adventure and romanticism. The trails and the people that traveled them are integral to the opening of the American West And at the site that they cross, St. Joe, Texas, two iconic images of American history come together. One is that of the wagon train, pushing westward with settlers and gold seekers, searching for new opportunity. The second is that of the cowboy astride his horse, heading north with a herd of thousands of cattle. Our culture is still shaped by a passion for the people that followed these trails. Film, literature, and music are filled with with their stories. Politicians still refer to them as representations of past American accomplishment and as standards for future American endeavor. While an inspection of history might reveal something with less luster than the myth, it in no way lessens the significance of the subject being studied. On a smaller scale, the trails help shape and develop the small Texas town of St. Joe. 
The town came into existence where it did, and the trails came to the town largely for one reason. Water. Topography played a second role. The area had many underground seeping springs, making it an important stopping point for travelers and wildlife. It became even more popular in 1849 during the California Gold Rush. Ethane and Prince Singletary settled briefly a mile and a half south of Head of Elm that year. Some local histories claim that they were searching for gold in the area. It might be possible. However, that they were following Captain Randolph B. Marcy's newly established California Trail, or El Paso Road as it was also known, for any number of possible reasons, illness, a breakdown, loss of stock to Native Americans, or simply being enamored with the area and its potential, they stopped long enough for some to claim them as Monte County's earliest known settlers. But instead of staying or pushing on westward, they soon traveled back east to the settlement of Whitesboro. The Singletaries would not be gone long, and within a few years, many more settlers would join them, drawn by the area's many attractions. The early settlers of Monte County and the rest of Texas invariably established their homes near springs and creeks in an attempt to ensure a supply of good water. The timbered sections of eastern Monte County also provided other valuable resources. Hardwood trees such as blackjack, hackberry, post oak, and live oaks were plentiful in upland areas. While settlers could find an abundance of cottonwood, willow, elm, water oak, sycamore, pecan, walnut, and cedar trees in the lowland creek and river bottom. The trees provided firewood for heat and cooking, posts for fencing, logs for houses, and rough-hewn poles for crude furniture. The tributaries of the Trinity River's Elm Fork served as the first points of attraction, providing the necessities of water and wood to the vanguard of settlement. Drawn by the natural advantages of the area, the head of Elm would grow as a settlement along the California Trail until it became the town of St. Joe after the arrival of the Chisholm Trail in the 1870s. If not for the industry and foresight of some of the town settlers in recognizing the potential value of the trail through the area, Head of Elm might never have become the town that it is today. The area's springs of water, the California Trail, the Chisholm Trail, and the enterprising efforts of St. Joe's earliest settlers each played a fundamental part in the development of the town. Take one ingredient from that recipe and the finished product would be altered and barely resemble what it is today, or worse yet, possibly not even exist. Now, let's take a moment to look at a brief summary of Texas settlement. To tell the story of the settlement and development of St. Joe, Texas and Monte County is to open an investigation into the advancement of the Texas frontier. During the period of Mexican Texas, 1821 to 1836, the area of Northwest Texas that included the headwaters of the Trinity River was far from the main area of Texas settlement. The area was part of the Cameron Grant, a Mexican land grant issued to John Cameron in the 1820s. The territory of his grant ran along the south side of the Red River from the Milan Grant in far northeast Texas to the headwaters of the Red River 
in the bottom of the Texas Panhandle. It would be several years before this region would see any significant settlement. Few impresarios were able to match the success of Stephen F. Austin. The earliest settlers of Texas in the Austin colony lived in the Brazos and Colorado River watersheds. It would be decades before there were any attempts at settling and living in the far northwestern territory encompassing Monte County where Comanche, Wichita, and other Native American tribes exerted control. After Texas gained its independence in 1836, the settlement areas lay in the Gulf Coastal Bend, Nacogdoches, San Augustine, Washington, Liberty, Anahuac, Harrisburg, Columbia, Velasco, Brazoria, Matagorda, San Felipe, Columbus, Victoria, LaGrange, Goliad, Refugio, San Patricio, Laredo, San Antonio, Gonzales, and Bastrop were the main settlements at the time. The Texas frontier line lay south and east of a line along the old road that ran from Saltillo, Mexico, up to San Antonio, and then northeastward to Nacogdoches, near Louisiana, and then up to the Red River. However, it would soon begin its westward push. Settlers almost immediately began to pour into Texas upon hearing of General Sam Houston's victory over Santa Ana. The first rapid advance of the Texas frontier began in the northeast section of the New Republic. The area's distance from the threat of Mexican reprisal, good grass, timber, and rich soil drew settlers. The settlements of Pecan Point and Jonesboro on the Red River near present-day Clarksville in Red River County became starting points for settlers to push westward into modern Grayson County. In 1837, Preston, which is near modern-day Denison in Grayson County, was established on the south bank of the Red River, near where Holland Coffee's trading post stood. Colbert's Ferry, a major crossing point for immigrants, was eight miles downstream from Preston. Texas entered into a contract with W.S. Peters, D.S. Carroll, and 18 other individuals as per the Colonization Act of February 1841. The contract set aside over 16,000 square miles for the colony. The contractors were initially to introduce 600 families into Texas within three years, but actually had longer after an extension of the grant. With Peters being the name at the top of the list, the colony became known as the Peters Colony. Newspapers carried columns heaped with praise of the region's beauty and pleasant climate. The boundary of the colony started at where Big Mineral Creek runs into the Red River in present-day Grayson County, ran due south for 100 miles to a point in eastern Ellis County, then ran west for 164 miles, where it turned north to the Red River, with the Red River forming the northern boundary. Tremendous in size, the colony contained all or part of the present-day counties of Grayson, Collin, Dallas, Ellis, Johnson, Tarrant, Denton, Cook, Montague, Wise, Parker, Hood, Erath, Palo Pinto, Jack, Clay, Wichita, Archer, Young, Stevens, Eastland, Callahan, Shackelford, Throckmorton, Baylor, and Will Barker. 
While eastern and southern Texas had been settled predominantly by the slave states, running due east from Texas, the settlers of the Peters Colony mainly came from the northeast of Texas, from the border states of Missouri, Kentucky, Illinois, and Indiana. John Neely Bryan built a cabin near the Three Forks of the Trinity River in the Peters Colony during 1841. This site became the town of Dallas. Despite advertising to attract settlers, Dallas had only two families and two small cabins by 1845, with the Peters Colony headquarters of Farmer's Branch being the larger settlement. Dallas's growth increased after it became the county seat in 1846. Sherman was surveyed and established in present Grayson County in 1846. Settlers also pushed south from Bowie, Red River, and Lamar counties into the timbered land of Hopkins, Wood, and Van Zant counties and Hunt, Collin, and Coffin counties, Prairie Land. Ben Anderson's setting up of a store in 1844 was the beginning of Greenville. By the time the Peters Colony contract expired in 1848, aside from 2,205 settlers living on the eastern and southern fringes of the territory, the colony was uninhabited except for Native Americans and the hunters and soldiers who traversed the region. One settler, Marcus L. Webster, who later became the first sheriff of Cook County, came to this colony with his father, E.D. Webster, in November 1845. Webster recalled, quote, We came overland in wagons, for of course there were no railroads, and reached the cross timbers near the western edge of Grayson County. It was Fannin County then, a few miles south of the present town of Whitesboro on the evening of November 24, 1845. Over to the west, there were nothing that you could call settlements, although I suppose if you had explored the timbers carefully, you could have found many a cabin half-hidden in some secluded spot, for oftentimes a man would locate his home along the creeks, and in such an out-of-the-way situation, he could escape the attention of his neighbors, and for this reason it was hard to estimate just how many people there were in the country. Game of all kinds was plentiful in our neighborhood. And by going west as far as where St. Joe is, you would find buffalo. End quote. There were no towns to the west. To the southeast of St. Joe near present-day McKinney was a little hamlet called Buckner. In Denton County, there was Alton, six miles from present-day Denton. Further southwest from Alton was Dallas, with only a few families and a store or two on the banks of the Trinity River. During the Peters colony years, settlement advanced too slowly to generate serious friction between settlers and the Native Americans. Still, the Native Americans presented a hindrance to further settlement. According to early settlers, the Indians would steal anything that could be moved. After Texas signed a treaty with the Indian tribes in 1843, Captain Ed Terrell, a pioneer and a trapper, set up a post at Clear Fork in Tarrant County with the purpose of trading with the Native Americans. The inducements to push into the Northwest frontier along with its hardships are clear in Terrell's following recollection. He said, In those days, this country was infested with Indians and herds of buffalo were all around us. There were more panthers in these parts than I have ever seen before or since. 
antelopes without number, wild turkeys in every tree. In fact, in those days, this was God's own country. Now, Terrell's venture did not last long. Native Americans took the men captive but released them after a while, and Terrell and the others with him lost no time in leaving. Terrell did not return until troops were establishing Fort Worth in 1849. After the United States granted Texas admittance as a state in 1845, the frontier line of settlement ran from Corpus Christi to San Antonio, northward through New Braunfels, Fredericksburg, Austin, Belton, Waco, Dallas, and Collin County to Preston on the Red River. In the late 1840s, settlers began moving into the future territory of Cook County. The southern and eastern extents of the country were predominantly settled by people from Tennessee, Arkansas, and Missouri. The western part had only scattered settlements until later. William Fitzhugh built Fitzhugh Station three miles southeast of modern Gainesville, Texas in 1847. And three years later, Gainesville was settled by people traveling along the California Trail. The Texas legislature created Cook County on March 20th, 1848, naming it in honor of William G. Cook, a hero of the Texas Revolution. Its territory at that time was much larger than it is now and included Montague, Clay, Wise, and Jack counties. And Gainesville was founded in 1850. For transportation in the 1840s and 1850s, Texans found themselves limited to roads, if they could be called that, and waterways. And both, to be honest, were crude methods of travel. Most Texas rivers could only offer transport a few miles inward from the coast. The roads of Texas were almost as unreliable as the waterways. They drained poorly, if at all, and might stay wet and muddy for months at a time. The poor conditions frequently disabled and slowed the stagecoaches, freight wagons, and mail service that counted on them to traverse the terrain between the Gulf ports and the interior. These circumstances promoted isolation from the state's large territory. Even after attaining administration to the United States, Texas transportation alternatives showed little, if any, sign of improvement. Aside from a start at a short line of track, in the Gulf Coast Fort Bend County. The state had no railroads. Counties bore responsibility for internal improvements such as roads and a lack of capital and other resources available to the county governments hindered progress for transit. Stagecoaches were available for conveying people, mail, and freight, and mainly they operated only within the state. Not until 1858 did a dependable stage line connect Texas with the Golden Province when the Butterfield Overland Mail Company ran a route through the state roughly following Marcy's El Paso or California Road. For supplies, the interior depended on wagons drawn by mules and oxen bearing heavy freight. The operators of the supply wagons faced the hardship of inclement weather, difficult terrain, and poor roads as they carried goods to isolated settlements. By the end of the Mexican War, in 1848, the frontier line now ran through Denton, Dallas, Waco, Austin, Fredericksburg, San Antonio, Castroville, and Laredo. West and north of this line was Indian country. 
To stand as sentinels over settlement, the United States Army established forts along the Texas frontier. In 1848, the military set up Fort Martin Scott between the Colorado and Guadalupe rivers and Fort Ringgold or Ringgold Barracks along the Rio Grande. The next year, Texans saw the creation of Fort Worth on the Trinity River's West Fork, Fort Graham on the Brazos, Fort Croggan on the Colorado, Fort Lincoln near the Frio, Fort Ing further upstream on the Frio, and Forts Duncan and McIntosh on the Rio Grande. Establishment of the forts encouraged further westward settlement. Now, this seems like a good spot to take a break, and we'll be right back. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zipline through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better. And dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. That's going to do it for this episode. I think that's a good stopping point. It's a lot of information we've covered. We went from a general introduction into what these episodes are going to be about and then took a deep dive into the settlement history of Texas leading up to where we get to the area I'm talking about. Now, for all of you that teach history in schools. This is kind of my way of showing how I like to think that you can use local history to incorporate it into the broader narrative that you have to cover in class to maybe make it more interesting. I'm sure you can do a little bit better job or a much better job than I do here. But it's all tying into leading to just one specific place. But you can pick any town in the in the state and kind of tied into this, how it gets to wherever it is that you live. And we cover a lot of information in this, so that's why I, we're going to stop here for all the future listeners that haven't been keeping up from episode to episode. There's not going to be any gap. You can just go on to the next episode, and this is going to continue. For those that have been following Texas History Lessons pretty much episode to episode, I promise the next episode will be out very soon it's been a rough summer busy summer and so with this i'm hoping to make up for the gaps in time and release and get back onto a better schedule that's just the nature of being an independent historian scholar podcaster when you got a full-time job and family and different things always take precedent over something like this but no worries we will continue on and we're going to start in the next episode we're going to be taking a closer look at this california trail and randolph b marcy that we were talking about and get into that i want to thank everybody for listening 
I want to thank my Patreon supporters and people that buy me a cup of coffee through the link. It is greatly appreciated. I hope everybody enjoyed this. I hope you learned something like I did. Going back over this since I first did it, I'm pretty happy with what it turned out to be, and it did help out the local government and Chamber of Commerce with their projects, I believe. So we're going to end it here. We'll be back soon with a look at the California Trail. I want to thank Derek McClendon for providing the Texas History Lessons podcast with its theme music, Walking Through History. Be sure to check out his music everywhere. He's an extremely talented artist, and I'm grateful to have him as part of the team here by providing this music. And speaking of great artists, we're going to end the show with a new Texas History Lesson Spotlight Artist Ghost Dance Band and their song, Ritual. Be sure to go check out their catalog of music wherever you listen to music. And I'm going to follow that up with a song by Jason Harrell, his song, Ghost. Why am I doing this? Because Jason, who's already a spotlight artist for Texas History Legends, he is the one that introduced me to Ghost Dance Band. And if you want to know more about both Jason and Ghost Dance Band, hey, guess what? Jason and a friend of his have a podcast called Let's Freaking Do This. And they have interviewed several great Texas artists already, including Zach Welch. They've talked to Derek McClendon. Just a, a lot of good people. And the most one of the most recent episodes, they interviewed Ghost Dance Band. It's a great, great podcast. So go follow them and listen to their episodes. And speaking of musicians doing podcasts, Zach Welch has his own podcast, Drunken Ramblings. He's got a couple of episodes out and the great texas history lesson spotlight artist seth jones who i hope to have join me someday he has an interesting connection to texas history but he's also a great great artist and he's got a really wonderful podcast that he started called the americarnage podcast where he kind of takes you into his world and talks about whatever's on his mind and it's, it's fascinating to hear him share the information he's sharing he's got a new song out jason harrell has a new song out go look and listen to them a lot of great music's been coming out and there's been a lot of great history coming out also don't forget to listen to wild west extravaganza galveston unscripted be sure to check out finding medina it's an interesting podcast really in-depth look at the search for and the history behind that devastating battle of the Battle of Medina that we've talked about here on the podcast. Check it out. But, you know, I look forward to talking to you soon again when we look at the California Trail. But here's Ghost Dance Band, Ritual, followed by Jason Harrell singing Ghost. Thanks for listening. Take care of yourself. Take care of each other. Be kind. Adios. Less the time of the year when the snow falls to the ground. The air's a little colder when you're not around. These guitar strings will play that long 
some sound Trying to resurrect your love Straight from the ground
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.